The antidote. The antidote. The antidote. The antidote. The antidote. The antidote. You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. Why don't you fight like you don't fight to fall lost no more? Right in the shadows, confined in this hole. Motionless, I'm Checking out the antidote with Dave Hawkins on Trent Radio. 
I have to say it's pretty rare for me to find a debut album that has grabbed my attention as much as Hollow Heart's new release, The Separation. And that's the best reason to share about this awesome band. We're going to spend the next hour airing the entirety of their new album, The Separation. John Flynn of Hollow Heart met with me just last week to chat about the new album, how busy life can be, and how he bared his soul on the album's lyrics. And here's what went down. John Flynn of Hollow Heart is here with The Antidote. John, it's awesome to have you meeting with us. Thanks for having me. How about giving us the background on how Hollow Heart came to be? Um, We were actually, the four of us, uh, myself, uh, Jeff Zielman, Chris Goblin, and Chris Hammond were in another band. In mid-studio, we lost our vocalists. You know, we had a whole album of uh, instrumental tracks that were recorded uh, now with no vocalist. So uh, we finished it up. We went back home. I contacted a couple friends. And Josh Miller had been in different bands around St. Louis as well. His band had actually just broken up. So I got a hold of him. And, I mean, we got back together within like a month, changed names to Hollow Heart. And, uh, I mean, it's been a way better dynamic since then. So really, we've been jamming for a long time. We just kind of didn't really push towards a career until about last year. So what about the members of Hollow Heart? What kind of bands were you guys involved with in the past? Um, well, in high school, me and Jeff were always in like punk rock bands. Um, Chris Goblin was in like a hard rock band for a while. Chris Hammond was kind of in a, a Bullet for My Valentine-esque. And uh, Josh Miller was probably the one who played the closest to Hollow Heart's material. Uh, but the four of us all played in actually a Christian metal band on Red Chord before uh, the split. And who was that? Uh, Selden, actually. It was, it, was a, it was a band called Selden. We had all joined a couple of years into their career already. So it was, it, was, it was strange circumstances. We all gelled really well, but we felt like outsiders to uh, the vocalist's image and their idea of where the band should go. So with Josh Miller, it's more of a, a centralized idea. Like No one feels like an outsider anymore. We got to talk about the name of the band. I mean, I looked up the term hollow heart online and I found a description saying that it describes someone being insecure, deceitful, not sound and true, uh, having a decayed spot within. But I mean, I really don't think that's the intent of your music. So what's your definition of hollow heart? Uh, you know, we, we kind of liked the name before we figured out why we wanted it. And my thought process was behind it was that we all were looking for something better. We were all kind of empty and everyone's kind of, they have this hollow heart that they need to fill with something to feel whole. Um, and like different band members, it's different facets. For me, it's, it's religion. And I mean, it could be anything, anything that you fill your heart with to move along in life. So, uh, we mulled over names for like a couple months. It was the hardest thing we've ever had to think of as a group. And that was the one that stuck. Chris Hammond was looking over some like poetry or something just for material to work with. And uh, I think we all liked it for different reasons. So do you think the name really does apply to your music? I mean, probably not by your definition. I, th- I think there's a lot of our music is about finding what makes you work, what, what moves you. So I guess more along the lines of my definition, but uh, we never were an angry band for the most part.
just released your debut album, The Separation. It's unusual to hear a debut album with that much depth, so I was really surprised by the release. But what were you striving for with the album? Um, honestly, the, the writing process was a little, it was a little spotty. It, it wasn't as uh, focused on one sound as we liked, but really, lyrically, I think it, it's a lot more uh, put together. For the writing process, we really just explored all of our different influences in different kinds of metal. I mean, it's all metal, but there's you know there's, there's some progressive in it. Uh, there's a little bit of like deathcore in it. It kind of spans over many many different facets of metalcore. Okay, I hate asking who influences a band, but who does grab your attention? Like, why bring in those other influences? Um, mostly because it, it makes us write something different. I think if we all picked one band that we would sound like, we would end up sounding too much like them. I think maybe that's one of our um, weaknesses as, as musicians is that we'll start to write a riff and we'll be like, oh, that sounds exactly like our favorite band. So I'm the progressive metal guy in the band. I'm all into like Between the Buried and Me and Protest the Hero and Coheed and Cambria, but uh, Chris Hammond's like really into Parkway Drive, which is a little bit closer to us. Josh Miller gets all of his vocal influence from Telly Smith from The World Alive. I mean, Jeff's really into uh, Mark Castillo. Um, so, I mean, all the influences are from metal. They're just kind of different kinds of metal. Do you find that metal gets stagnant? I think it, it goes back to the way you write it. I mean, again, for us, if we were to just pick one influence and write like that it would probably get stagnant after a while i think everyone tries to change it up and you know of course there's this toss-up between having a fan base and the fan base wanting you to sound a certain way but if you sound too similar they start to hate it between a rock and a hard place it's a fine line for sure so you guys are going to be the innovators then um I don't know if we're really pushing to be the innovators i think that's kind of a daunting task to come out and say you know we want to be the innovators of metal. I feel like maybe that would make us seem like we think too highly of ourselves, but we definitely wanted to take a different approach than what's already going on. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. <laughs> That's actually a tough one. I, I definitely don't want to say that we strive to be the innovators of metal because I don't feel like we're at that point yet. But I mean, eventually I would like to say that we have a very unique sound in doing it in a way that no one else does. I think that's the goal for a lot of musicians is to have you can you can hear their music and know who it is. Watch out! 
is an innovator now for for me personally it's it's been all about uh progressive music again that but that's just my bias one album that i really loved from i think it was last year uh bring me the horizon just came out with sempaternal it's a huge step away from their usual music and i i loved what they were doing with the record it was there was some ambient noise to it and they they were just doing something different with the genre that they were used to. So those guys have, have kind of stepped into innovation in a huge way. Um, I know like we're actually playing a show with like Moss to Flames and they just had a new album that's been really fantastic. Um, there was one other. In Heart's Wake has a lot of new material and it's focused around the rhythm, but the rhythm is really groovy. It's It's really kind of big and it's still bouncy but it they, they have a unique way of going about it that makes them sound really great 
I don't know what it is exactly about them that I like so much, but their new material is just awesome. It's incredible. You find that's too often the case with a band that they just do a clone of their previous album without stretching their boundaries? Um, I mean, a lot of the times, yeah, you'll see it happen. Whether they intended to be that way or not, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, they have to work with producers and, and know what their sound is and what people like about them. Mm-hmm. But maybe sometimes they get too caught up in in that aspect. They They see, oh, well, people really like this sound, so we should do it again. One good example for me has been uh, Mastodon. Every record you hear, you, you say, yeah, that's that's definitely Mastodon. But none of the records sound similar in any way. They managed to keep the things that made them Mastodon, but switch up everything else.
understand that your debut album the separation isn't necessarily a concept album but it does carry a theme uh it definitely does there it was written to be a concept album but it, it was too loose to really tell like a specific story we just kind of wrote around the idea of what sep- what separates people from how they go about life you know one of the songs is about drug addiction you know what separates a person from a normal life to drug addiction or drug addiction to rehab. Spitting Image talks a lot about personal identity and what separates someone from thinking that they're attractive or that they're ugly or what separates them from being conformist or nonconformist. 
it, it, it touches a lot on social commentary of how people are treated and what what happens to them. Well, one that grabbed my attention was the opening song on the album, The Honest, The Loyal. It's got lyrics that read, over and over, I'm being broken down by the wicked world within a life confined to the words that I speak to myself. But John, what about that on a personal level? How much do you find the world controlling you? Uh, you know, it wasn't till maybe two years ago that I wanted to be an individual. I tried so hard high school and the first two years after high school to like try to fit in with somebody and kind of feel accepted because I was like, you know, I was a total dork in high school. So I spent a long time trying to, you know, dress accordingly to my friend group and kind of fall into these categories. You know, I was I was doing some drugs for a while and just doing all the stupid stuff. And uh, it wasn't until like two years ago when I actually started playing, you know, music centered around a career that I really wanted to be, you know, I want to have my own identity. I wanted to, people to know John Flynn as John Flynn, that bearded guy. Like, he's, you know who he is. Yeah, it's the big bearded guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I pick up all the beard for the rest of the band. <laughs> <laughs> so it's music that's changed you from being from being the dork, as you said. Yeah, actually. Um, that kind of it changed everything. I, I started playing music and discovered that not only did I really like it, and I was fairly good at it, but I met way cooler people like myself already playing music than I ever knew in, after high school. At this point, I, I don't really talk to anybody that I went to high school with. I, besides Jeff, I went to I went something I don't even talk to him. Wouldn't everybody realistically look back on their teenage years or high school years and say, yeah, I was a dork? And Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I think everybody just wanted to fit in with the crowd. Right. But I, I mean, I really struggled with a lot of uh, a lot of identity stuff. I, I, I know a lot of teenagers go through it, but I, that's just where kind of I derived all of this uh, concept from was ways that I felt growing up and things that I dealt with and that other band members have dealt with that changed who I am and who we are. Well, because as you mentioned, spitting image, right, related to that directly. And that's that's definitely something everyone can empathize with is, uh, you know, looking in the mirror and being like, you know, who is this? Who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you look like? Who do you think you should look like? These are all, you know, these are all questions and, you know, we reflect upon and a mirror literally reflects who we are on the surface.
is here with John Flynn of Hollow Heart. John, I was surprised to find an acoustic track, Skull and Steel, on the separation. I mean, it's a little out of character with the rest of the album, so why did you choose to include it? Um, well, it actually wasn't going to make it onto the album. I, I had written it uh, just for filler, and when all was said and done, we didn't have enough material to make it an LP. And I, I had written it as part of the concept already, and we sat down with the producer and I said, well, we have this acoustic song that we can do. Uh, I've got it written out. It was actually a really short recording process for Skull and Steel. I, we sat down, um, recorded some, the main lick at the beginning I had written, but all the chords we rewrote, uh, I improved that acoustic little solo-y thing. And um, all of the vocal melodies were improved. I would do a take. He said, I like this, I like this, do it again. And then we do it again. That was a take. That's brutal. <laughs> so I, my voice was already wearing down. I had like two shots of tequila in me, and I'm trying to improv all of these vocal melodies. And it was strange. I really enjoy how it came out, but it really originally was not going to be on the record. And I, I really actually kind of like it on there. I think it, it, again, there's a lot of diversity to it, but there was, when we first wrote all this music, I, I, even I had no intention of putting it on the album. But it's an attention getter because it is a break from the rest of the album. Yeah, and it also it comes right before arguably the heaviest song on the album. And I think there's this weird suspense. The, the contrast between Skull and Steel and Oathkeeper 
is so big that oh, it makes Oath Keeper so much more satisfying. Hey, I'm John from Hollow Heart, and you're checking out The Antidote on Trent Radio. Captain Time Spots of red and black and white That our youth defined And all these screaming lights Blinding in the gray Reeling backwards as the body separates A beast who walks the earth Hungry for the kill He shows us all the love affair Of skull and steel And quick to regress And slow to decay Even slower to wash away not getting easier And how can I rebuild myself when all I have is separation the rest of the album like have you got a particular favorite one song that stands out for you or was it the separation um really the honest the loyal is probably one of my favorites if not my favorite i just it's really fun to perform it's got it's got this nice little bass groove going on in the beginning and um just all the riffs just feel really good it's fun to just it's mostly for me just performing it it's my favorite to perform also oath keeper i don't have to sing in that one <laughs> and that's a good thing. Well, it's 
it's it's my time to take a break from singing uh, live, and I can really kind of let loose and get a little bit angrier on stage during that. Again, there's there's a nice bass groove in there, and it, it just kind of feels good. I love I love all these weird sounds that are going on. There's a lot of uh, not feed. Well, there's some feedback, but there's a lot of scraping and a lot of just really nasty noises going on in that song. Now, John, you aren't fitting the mold because it's almost supposed to be the bass player that's the forgettable character in the band. I kind of screwed it up for everybody because I, I sit down and I, I push it to write all this music and I'm, I'm pushing all these lyrics on the guys and I'm the one doing the radio interview. And <laughs> they're, all, they're all kind of, you know, I feel like the lead guitarist and the, the vocalist should have been here, but uh, they both had to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, I play... I play guitar and I play drums a little bit and I play bass and I sing and my voice cracks. <laughs> <laughs> but the bass is your dedicated instrument. Yeah, I, I've been playing bass since I was like 13. I went to a friend's band practice and they're like, we need a bass player. And they had a bass, but no one was playing it. And they handed it to me and they're like, play this. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know how, I can't even play like a rubber band. Like, don't give me this. And he's like, okay, take the bass. I took it. He's like, plug a string plug the train he's like cool you're a bassist <laughs> oh, that, oh no that was that was it don't admit that you're supposed to say i was destined to be a bass player man i have tiny hands i was not destined to be a bass player <laughs> but seriously anything with a great bass line i am so in for that that's some, that's something that a lot of uh a lot of metal lacks i mean i'm not saying that all metal bassists are bad but a lot of compositions don't revolve around having a good bass line, and they don't, they don't really let the guy just a little bit. Because nowadays it's out of character. You know, I, I grew up on Coheed and Cambria, and that's like my all-time favorite bassist, just because you see him doing these root notes, and then every now and then he'll just let loose this massive run. You can it just like it cuts out of the mix. It's real clear, and you hear it, and you're just like, man, that was awesome. And when do you get to do that? Um. The honest, the loyal. You got that that nice little uh, drum and bass, do 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 do, and that that was just kind of something we were screwing around with me and Jeff because I've I've been jamming with Jeff for a long time and we kind of know when something clicks. He played that drum part and I I did the uh, the little bass groove and he kind of did this smile and I did this laugh and we all started yelling. Everyone in the, everyone in the band was yelling for no reason. We were all excited about how cool it was, <laughs> and it's like two notes. <laughs> <laughs>
I'd love to hear more about the album's title track, The Separation. Now, I hope you're not going to be offended if I call it a gorgeous song, because it really is, I mean, both musically and lyrically. How about giving us a story on this track? Uh, the, the story on that one, actually, uh, that was the probably one of the last songs we wrote, and it, it was clearly written to be the, the last song in the album. It has this nice, big, orchestral feel to it. It fades out really well. And uh, I mean, it's just kind of it's just kind of a jam. We had these chords and this lead line. Um, it's like the same root notes the whole song. I actually built the riff on bass uh, around the chord progression and moved on from there. It was it was a quick process. Lyrically, I it's one of my favorites. It has a lot to do with in the band in in the in and outs of the band and when the, when the vocalists quit. Um, and there was th- there was this huge shift in uh, religious faith because I you know I was I was a longtime churchgoer and um, suddenly there was this weird like loss I guess me personally there I was very lost where I stood with my faith still mm-hmm. and lyrically it's one of the strongest songs on the album just because it kind of it's kind of a cliffhanger ending of everything else has been resolved but after writing this record I still felt kind of lost. It resolved everything else except this one thing that I still felt kind of separated on. And this was your resolution? It helped. Um, after I wrote that, I, I felt a little bit more satisfied and I felt like I could move forward. It, um, I don't really know. It's, it's very therapeutic <laughs> writing something like that because it, it, it makes you vulnerable. No one really wants to admit if they've been a, a bad a Christian or a doubting Christian or a lost Christian, but it feels good to admit so you can move on after that. We have a widely diverse mix of Christians that that are on this show. (laughs) And it's true because so often Christians want to have this perfect look. Yeah. We're not perfect people. Right. No, definitely. But often Christians want to cast that off as saying, look at me, my life is just great. And it's not. You know, nobody's life is perfect. No, for sure. Christ was perfect. But certainly we as people are not. And I think it's that honesty that really draws people attention. It's um, one of the main things about the separation was, and even in faith, honesty is a huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. And it was being honest with yourself and being honest with other people, which is something that a lot of people miss. They take Christianity at face value and they say, okay, I, I read my Bible every day, so I must be, I must be pretty good. When it comes down to it, you got to be honest about the hard stuff. For me, the hardest thing was, where am I at with my faith? That was the most honest I could get. So much of music produced by Christians, they don't want to relate to the difficult topics. No one, you never want to, it's so hard, you don't want to step on anyone's toes. Um, when you when you really delve into the, the Christian music scene, you're trying so hard not to offend anybody. Because you got this target painted on your back, and as soon as you slip up, someone's going to be like, well, they're not real Christians, so don't buy the records. I know, but again, that's pathetic. Sorry, I'm a very opinionated person. Oh, oh, me too, man. (laughs) This is good, because a lot of people aren't doing, they just don't want to be honest. So I appreciate this from you, (laughs) because I I hate the artificiality. The guy's best thing about he loves just going after a show is just going out and just having a drink, and it's like, yeah. You know, that's fine with me. I mean, we all have a couple beers at band practice. It's it's a time to, um, I mean, you work hard, but it's, it's a time to relax. 
it's it's our day off. Everyone has the day off from work. It's a time to get together with the bros, have a few beers, throw the football, barbecue. I mean, it's, you know, it's laid back. Killing me, fading on my days. I have never seen. 
Okay, here's a final thought, John. What impression does Hollowheart want to leave with their listeners? Ooh, the tough question. Um, you know, it goes back to honesty. We wanted we wanted to make something honest that was really us and really like organic and natural and touching on subjects that anyone can connect to on a personal level and and know that these are things that we made and that we wanted to tell and uh, just honesty. We wanted to have a, a clear connection with people through music without gimmicks, without, you know, making up stories. Just get right to it. Good answer. I tried. <laughs> you did. And that's why you were doing the interviews. John, it's been great having you on The Antidote. And thanks for coming on. And best of luck with the new album. Thank you, sir. I guess it was pretty obvious during the discussion with John Flynn of Hollow Heart that I really appreciated uh, his honesty during our conversation, but also the honesty of the lyrics from uh, Hollow Heart. And I really hope you've enjoyed hearing the separation as much as I have. Next Wednesday at 9, The Antidote will head into goth and goth-influenced music. Roy Turple of Edmonton's The Beckoning joins The Antidote to speak about their goth-influenced metal and their brand new EP, Desolate. Well, DJ Kai is sitting here next to me, and he's ready to gear up ground floor in the next couple of minutes. But before I head out of the studio, we have a taste of next week's music. Enjoy I Sleep with the Emperor from Virgin Black, and I'll see you next week. I shared in the world of the God, yet this mansion is haunted by romance. This summer's hill must come, anointing me with oil. I'm naked in silk on the sea. Yeah.